a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Alpine Star Protects. I'm, uh, I'm Steve Mathis, of course, as usual. Please check out this uh, show and many others out on iTunes. Uh, the Steve Mathis Classics, uh, which are the older pods starting from 08. We've got three, uh, three different shows of that, so go, get, go listen to those old ones. And, uh, of course, the Pulpamex app as well. You can get all the shows on there. And, again, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Fly Racing, check them out. The 2018 stuff is out now. Uh, prepare, perform, progress with fly racing and uh, that man on the line here used to wear fly racing as well and alpine star protects uh, the whole line of alpine star products you know their boot you know how well their boot works but uh, they got a whole line of protection products bns tech carbon the a1 roost guard and the uh, fluid tech carbon knee brace a lot of the top riders are wearing a stars protection line underneath their jerseys and pants and uh, if you need a neck brace or you need a best roost guard or anything else please check out the whole line that uh, alpine star protects makes we thank those guys of course and fly racing Dot com official gear of uh, Blake Baggett and uh, and this guy on the line with me at one point he is uh, New York's finest Bobby Canari what's up BK how are you man ah doing good man just relaxing enjoying the last bit of summer here on the back porch soaking up the last bit of sunshine for the year yeah I bet uh, you did you wore fly a bunch bunch through the years Jeez. yeah yeah they were a good company to to work with man they were great people there I know they're really into the sport they're in for the long haul and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wore them quite a bit. Um, uh, so what is going on with Bobby Canara these days? What's happening? <laughs> man, yeah, just uh, switch gears into real life, <laughs> outside of moto, man, uh, into the real world. And uh, everything's been going good. Uh, you know, got into the workforce and uh, tried a couple different things and, and still figuring life out there. Um, you know, got thrown into the mix there. You know, I kind of thought my whole life I'd, I'd keep in racing and stay within the industry and yeah. be a rep or do something. And, you know, as as life progressed, I got a wife and kids and stuff and a family based here in upstate New York near Unadilla and really just didn't want to leave the family, you know, yeah. uh, the in-laws and my family, everyone's based here and, and just... You know, with grandkids and everything going on now, it just didn't seem right to pull everyone away from that just to keep, um, you know, within the race industry. Yeah. My wife's got a good job here, and it didn't make sense for us. So I said, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to kind of be done with it at this point. I loved it. It was a great, great deal for me and, and great sport to me. Uh-huh. It treated me great, but it's just time to step away and, and uh, start going down the second part of life here. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no one in the pits has a bad word to say about you. I mean, lots of bad words about me, but nothing about (laughs) you, Bob. I mean, no, seriously, you could call up Western Power Sports. You could call up Yamahas. You could call up uh, goggle companies and and, and do whatever you really wanted to in the industry. Now, granted, maybe the pay wouldn't be what you're used to making, but people loved you for sure. And you made a lot of friends. So uh, that has to be a tough decision. It was, man. It was really hard on me the first year because uh, I really, uh, at the time, thought I was going to race another year. So the carpet got kind of pulled out from underneath me there and switched gears really quickly. And uh, it's great to hear that everyone, you know, thought of me like that. And, and going back, you know, I, I still talk to a lot of people within the industry, uh, still kind of in the loop. And, you know, I went to my first race here, Unadilla, as a spectator this year. And, uh, man, that was great to come in the gate. And I didn't get 10 feet in the gate. And, uh, <laughs> Just got bombarded with all my old buddies, all my old yeah. friends, uh, such as in the in the industry. So it was it was great, man. It was it was fun. Yeah. So at some Good point, everyone uh, remembers me still. At some point, you told me that you were maybe going to try to make this bass fishing thing work, which amazed me as a guy that's maybe fished 
three, four times in his life. Uh, I don't understand how this all works, but um, where are you at with that? Where are you at with bass fishing as a career? You know, you see the guys with Rockstar and Monster and everything else. Um, where are you at yeah. with that? There's a lot of money to be made in that, to be honest with you. It's a really big sport. If you think, uh, you know, the, the money there is quite a bit better, actually, than motocross and supercross. Um, you know, you think of all the households in America, almost every one of them has at least one fishing pole in it. And uh, that's kind of a, a way to justify to sponsors how to how to throw you money to go do it. Um, I know Chris Gossler actually is very successful at it. He was on the what would be the equivalent to the supercross tour this year he made himself uh qualified himself for it um i don't think it went too well for him but uh it was a new uh set of lakes for him to learn but uh yeah you know what i'm i'm kind of doing the bigger regional stuff for the time being uh, until uh until the kids kind of get settled down a little okay. more and, and able to travel a little more and then yeah maybe poke my nose into trying to maybe qualify for that one day but uh yep doing the bigger stuff around here and doing well at it and, okay uh, so fun yeah, so you get a fish finder, Bob, and you just drive around to get the fish. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, it's that easy. Well, yeah, I don't know. Easy. I mean, what else? <laughs> no, what else no. could there be, bro? Yeah, I mean, man, there's a there's a lot of things that go into it, such as know, the little nuances. So it's fun. It's fun. Like what though? Tell me. Like what? What? Like what do you got to be good at? Like how do you? How do the? Who's the? Uh, um, who's the Eli Tomac of bass fishing? And why is he so good? Who's <laughs> the Eli Tomac of bass fishing? Right now, it's this kid called Brandon Polinick. Uh, he's kind of throttling everyone, and uh, man, there's a Ricky Carmichael of bass fishing too, one of the most dominant guys ever with all the records. And uh, okay, uh, you know, you go to Walmart and you'll see his face on something, I'm sure. And um, right. actually, there's an old motocrosser, uh, a set of brothers that were privateers that qualified for mains and did everything. They are actually two of the bigger deals in fishing right now. Who is it? Not, the Shryock brothers, oh, Fletcher never... and Hunter. Triok, and uh, they have a great YouTube channel and stuff. People check them out, but they're uh, kind of changing the face of bass fishing just because they're coming from the moto background. They have oh, a wow. different image than what you would imagine a fisherman to have, and uh, it's a little more, you know, flamboyant, a little, yeah. little more in your face. And uh, they're doing really well at it. They're, uh, you know, on the elite series, which is like supercross level, and uh-huh. uh, they're doing really good at it, man. Um, one of the things that's, when I think about you, your career, everything else, we've known each other for a long time and, and, and our friends, I really hate it, Bobby, that you had to go out with a gnarly crash up in Canada in arena cross and, and you know, you did your hip in and, and some other things that sucks, man, that that was sort of the end for you. I wish you had a bit more. I mean, I don't know whether, I don't know how to go out. Maybe you win the last moto at Walton or I don't know, but it sucks that that was, that, that's what happened for you. I mean, I got feel for you that I way. I know, man. Yeah, that wasn't the ideal way to go out. You know, I always kind of thought I'd be able to at least go into a last moto going, you know, all right, this is it. Yeah. Wrap her up after this and just kind of soak it all in one more day. And it didn't work out that way for me, man. I, I, you know, finished what was a tough year for me, you know, um, in outdoors and stuff. And and, um, arena cross went okay. You know, it was a learning curve for me. By the end of the year, I felt like I had that figured out at once won some motos and races and heats and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a stacked year that year. Uh, going into the summer, kind of struggled. I, I still did good, you know, what some people consider good, but just I wasn't winning, wasn't podiuming every every weekend, every moto in Canada. And uh, just didn't think, it, you know, it was going that well for me. And then uh, going into the off season, I'm, I kind of hit a reset mode. And they, in Canada, started an arena cross series. And a couple you know, top U.S. guys in arena cross, such as Jacob Hayes, Chris Blos, and even Cole Thompson, some of the other guys went up and did it. And I said, well, I'll go do them. They're right here on the eastern part of the, the country, right over the border for me. I can drive to them. I'll go do them. Andre, uh, OTSFF, Rockstar, mm-hmm. Yamaha team hooked me up with bikes and, and the whole deal. Went there, swept the first weekend, won every heat, every main Every practice, everything, I'm like, oh, I do remember how to do this. You know, I <laughs> yeah. can do this. Let's go another year, you know. And, yeah. And uh, it kind of put some pep in my step. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to the next weekend, and uh, I think it was the very next weekend. Um, you know, kind of same weekend was going the same way. Felt good in times. And first heat race, I think I got second to maybe Thompson or something. And then uh, main rolls around, we're running up front. And I was trying to pass Hayes and just – was the only one doing this rhythm section. It was like a three, three, one or something, but yeah, okay. really seat bounced the second one. And man, I seat bounced it no different than any other time. And just for some reason, 
I had a big endo like Roxon had um, on his big get off there at Anaheim, and and you know couldn't figure out even to this day what happened different than any other lap, but just gnarly endo and pile drove myself into the third and fourth jump. Yeah, and uh, went ragged on into the corner concussed myself ended up dislocating my femur from my hip my oh, femur was in my Jesus. back yeah broke my femur broke my hip broke some ribs tore my knee up again that i had fixed the year before um they had to put stitches in that i didn't even know i had a cut there because everything else hurt so bad i bent the plate in my collarbone broke my collarbone under that and i don't there's something else i broke something else i don't even remember what and uh i just remember laying there um, and for the first time in my life, I was scared to move because I thought I paralyzed myself and I yeah. did not want to try and move and realize that I couldn't. So I laid there and then the pain started to set in and I go, okay, I can feel that. And before anyone even got to me, any flaggers or anything, I just go, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like I got a wife and two kids, you know, it's getting harder and harder every year to, mm-hmm. to, you know, keep doing at this level. I'm 30 years old. You know, uh, it just I'm done. This is it. I'm I'm done. Before anyone even got to me, yes, this this is wow, stupid. really? You huh? know, I'm yeah. doing this to myself because yeah. you know, leading up to that, man, I as I'm get good get offs that whole year, you know, and I rode, I I broke a foot and some ribs and um, yep. melts and and one oh I dislocated my jaw and walked yeah. in like all yeah. that in one moto. I got out and went and raced the next moto and then crashed again and then crashed again that week trying to ride. And I was like, what, what am I doing to myself? You know, <laughs> so it just seemed like that was happening yeah. more and more. I just yeah. sat back and I go, you know what? You know, when I finally decided in the hospital or whatever that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm for sure this is it. I'm done. It wasn't just in the moment I was thinking that. I, right. And, you know, it's just I'm 30 years old. You know, the things just are getting harder to do. You know, the bikes are changing a little bit. The riding style's changing. I'm just not willing to be quite as aggressive. I'm scrubbing some stuff anymore. You know, like I'm starting to think of the repercussions, and it's just getting harder. My reaction times are off. Yeah. You know, I think that's why I'm crashing a lot. It just seemed like it was just getting to that point where, you know, just like Peyton Manning, like you don't forget how to do it and, and, you know, what you're doing, you still are that good at it. You yeah. can do it. But for that many laps without making a mistake and, you know, it's yeah. not like the NFL where you just miss a pass or something and your timing's off. When your timing's off on a dirt bike, there's bad repercussions, you know. <laughs> yeah, so no, for sure. It just seemed, you know, that little fraction of a second and that little inch that I'm missing something, you know, at, at our speed at a pro level, is there's bad repercussions. And that just... So, you know, you haven't thought you, about that and I go, that's it. I'm done. You haven't ridden since we got to get you. I mean, do you, do you have any desire to race a vet national to, to, to ride a local race? I mean, you, you do you see yourself doing that do. again or I do, man. I've okay. been trying to let my father-in-law, he has a brand new KTM Dungey edition 450 that he's ridden about 10 minutes this year, uh, sitting right next door in this garage next to me. And I've been wanting to ride it all year. He won't quite let me ride it. But uh, my buddy Mike Moran <laughs> at Fox has lined me up with uh, a set of gear and all that. It's okay. And you're ready for all me. All right. And so. uh, he's finally breaking down. I think I'm going to get out this week and do some riding. Oh, awesome. Uh, you know, at one of the local tracks. And then uh, a couple people have been pl- trying to plant the bug in my ear to ride X Games on a snow bike, which sounds like a lot of fun to me. If yeah. If I can make those stars align, that'd be sure. a lot of fun, I think. And uh, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's start, I'm, I wanted to step away at first and kind of let it go and, and you know, yep. just get away from it and just say, okay, you know, let real right. life get in line. Now I've kind of let everything go and realized that I'm in real life now and I'm not going to come race Supercross next year. So <laughs> I think it's a little safer to hop back on a bike and yeah. and at least go enjoy a day on a dirt bike. So. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you never made a ton of money. You, ne- you had some rides, good rides. You, you had some success in the sport. You raced all over the world. Were you able to walk away with some money? Like, I'm obviously you're working now. Yeah, and all you that, know what? But, Honestly, you know? I never got like a full factory ride other than that star ride, which you know was was factory supported. But a lot of a lot of satellite teams. Mm-hmm. And you know, I look back and I go, man, you know, this sport was really good to me. You know, I got to travel the world on someone else's dime. 
been all over Europe, all over the U.S., seen everything, done done a lot of cool things in tra- in those travels. You know, I uh, got to just do a lot of cool things in those regions of the country or the you know the state or whatever that you're in. And um, I did put some money away. Good. I built a brand new house, yeah. brand new garage. I got a boat, nice truck. A lot of nice toys at the house. You know, I wasn't stupid with my money, but yeah. it set you up at a young age. You know, you're in the middle of your 20s or younger even, building brand new houses and stuff. You look back, you know, man, a lot of kids were just spending, you know, yeah, getting yeah. themselves $100,000 in student loans and debt. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, right now, you know, I don't have a college education, but the sport was still good to me in the sense that um, a fellow racer, you know, is currently employing me, you know, yeah, and yeah, for sure, you know, it, it kind of all goes hand in hand there. You know, it's uh, all in all, it was a great sport to me. I have no regrets of anything. Yeah, man, it, it was good. You know, I made some money, made a, a very comfortable living and, um, you know, never really struggled. And, you know, at the time to make ends meet, you know, and, and, uh, it, it was really good. Um, you know, set us up early, got a family out of it. You know, good. I wouldn't have met my wife and had my family if it wasn't for racing. So it was good. Uh, fly racing racer X podcast with Bobby Canari. Um, let's, uh, let's go back in the time machine. Let's jump in the time machine and go back to your amateur days, Let's New York. Um, Ryan Mills and, and Paul Carpenter, are those a couple of your amateur rivals in New York? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Paul was just a touch older than okay. Paul Carpenter was. But uh, Ryan Mills, Phil Nicoletti. Um, oh, and filthy. There, there was a lot of us running around here um, that came out of New York. But uh, Ryan Blizzard. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there, there was a lot of people that came out of here all at the same time, and it was good. Those Northeast Classics, they used to call them, there was uh, this big regional series. And uh, they were big back in the day. They had Bruce Stratton, Barry Carson, Ty Wallace. All oh, those wow. guys would come race them. We had Damian Plotz. Like, a lot of the big privateers would come race them back in the day. And I would obviously stand on the fence to watch them in awe and uh, just try to take it all in and learn what I could from them. And uh, it was it was pretty good uh, local races around here. Right. Big names that are racing now are, are you know, we're racing uh, Frozen Ocean night crosses and stuff yeah. together. It was fun. So... Um, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you get a lot of, it's cold in, in New York. So, uh, what do you do? Like, when do you think to yourself or when does your parents and you get together and you, you're like, Hey, I want to try to make it as a pro. And then how do you stay sharp in New York? Were you traveling to Florida? Were you going South? I was, um, I lucked out big time, man. I just had one decent year at Loretta Lynn's. I, I wish I could remember the year for sure, but I'm going to say it was like 1998, Okay. Yeah, I think it was 1998, and I was racing, you know, 80s. And uh, I had won a moto here and there on 60s, you know, at Loretta Lynn's. But I was, just like my pro career, I wasn't the most consistent. (laughs) You know, at Loretta Lynn's was a struggle for me. I'd won every other amateur event, World Mini, Mini O's, Mammoth, both Texas races, you know, everything. But I couldn't string three motos together at Loretta's. It wasn't in me. And it probably still isn't. <laughs> but, um, it was uh, it was a tough race for me. But either way, I, I showed some promise there. And Team Green picked me up um, going into 2009. and Or, I'm sorry, um, 1999. Yeah. And uh, I believe that winner um, was my first winner down in Florida. My parents kind of pulled me, worked with my school, pulled me out sent me to Florida for a few months to ride in the winter and uh, do the, what the heck was that called? The winter classic oh, yeah. series or something okay. like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Donnie McGordy and Dan Truman and uh, man, Millsaps and Hepler and who else would race the eighties with me? James Stewart and uh, Brian Johnson. Dude, we had the gnarliest 80 group that ever came up, I think, but either way they, we'd race each other every weekend down there in Florida and uh, obviously follow each other around from there um, throughout Loretta's and all that stuff. So it started there when I was like 14 years old, and my parents really gave me the opportunity, gave up a lot for me to go and do that, and uh, gave me the dream opportunity. And luckily I did something with it from there and uh, ended up riding for Cole Grass maybe the year later. Okay, so you brought me up for his amateur program into my first year of pro racing and put me on a satellite team with Paul Lindsay on uh, the Moto World program, 
and it kind of just went from there. Hey, it's uh, it's unbelievable. When I speak to a lot of guys that were around, I was already wrenching and, and, and all that, so I wasn't paying a ton of attention to amateur stuff. But it's unbelievable, going back to New York, Bobby, that Ryan Mills never really made it, huh? Like, he was good. He was legit, man. He rode for, like, factory KTM yep. stuff for a couple of years. Yep. And Geico I, Honda. I mean, he won. Yep. Remember he won, like, Red Bud? He won a moto at Red Bud. Yeah, he won a moto. I just remember the next week, like, running around, and he didn't even score a point. Like, I remember going by, I'm like, dude, this guy just won last week. <laughs> and we were good buddies at the time, and I'm like, yeah. What, what the hell are you doing, dude? Yeah. <laughs> like in 20th. Yeah. I'm going back by you. I maybe fell in the first turn or something. I'm like, got off the track. I'm like, Ryan didn't even score a point. Yeah. He just won last week. <laughs> what happened? But uh, either way, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It was kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you remember about Filthy Phil? Filthy Phil, I just remember his bobblehead on an 80. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he'll be mad at me for saying that, but Probably. I remember seeing a white helmet on a bobblehead, yeah. you know, uh, on, riding around on a Honda 80 at Binghamton. Right. Like my first, I don't know, real recollection right. of, of Filthy Phil. You know, he was really fast. He just seemed a little top heavy. <laughs> a little bobblehead action going on. Um, so, so Cole <laughs> Gress good. gets you away from Team Green and uh, puts you in Motor World. Was that like, was that the plan? He's like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to put you with Motor World, or did you have a, a, a choice when you were going pro, or was Cole saying, hey, Not this really. is, you know this what, is he, what we're going to do? He called me, and uh, me and Hepler were kind of his little two amateur, you know, I guess, uh-huh. guys, because me and him were maybe a year or two older than Millsaps, and who else was there? Either way, we were a year or two older than the other kids on the 80s, and he, I don't, I don't know, I think I had a better year throughout those big amateur races than Hepler. And um, I think he bumped me up a year before. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I wish I would have waited a year, and that's the only yeah. regret I have looking yeah. back at racing. But I still, my first year, got some top tens and stuff. It just took me till like, red butt halfway through outdoors to figure out how to do it. And uh, my first year of Supercross was embarrassing. I mean, looking back, I'm like, what? How could you not even circle around one of those tracks? You know, I struggled big time. It was, it was an eye-opening experience for me. Was it so, just because you'd never really um, practiced much Supercross, I guess, from New York, right? Yeah, you know, on a real, I thought I had until I showed up at Suzuki's test track for the first day, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, oh boy, you know, this is this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, I, it's crazy. I wish people, you know, at, at a local event or you know that go to a supercross could ride themselves a lap around a real supercross mm-hmm. and just get a perspective because i remember i i knew how to ride at that time i thought yeah and uh, i was winning everything there was to win and i jumped on supercross track i'm like oh my god like i, I can't even circle around this thing i don't know how they jump all this stuff and back then it was still <laughs> two strokes yeah so well, you know, I'm on a 125 trying to jump these triples and rhythms, and I'm, I'm just cased and everything. And whoops, we're, we're, uh, I, I just go around them every day. You know, I don't know how I ever learned how to ride them, but I got to where I was good at them. <laughs> oh, my God. This is also, too, like, like uh, this is you came up in the era where we weren't quite sure if the 250Fs were good or not. Um, we were Correct. still debating whether they were better than 125s. Looking back, we were all idiots because the 125 they were clearly yeah. better. But you're on a 125 trying to make your mark against uh, Yamahas. You know that a slew of these Yamaha guys. Yeah. And, 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 and at the time, it was like Brock Sellers, Kelly Smith, Danny Smith, and who else? Maybe yeah. Tedesco or something on on YOT. Yeah. You know on Yamaha Troy, and they were all on four strokes. I think Ivan was on a two stroke, and that was about it. But. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back, yeah, they, I think they had quite the advantage. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. No, I don't think we knew that at the time, you know. So, uh, no. Who were your teammates at Motor World your first year? Ping? Boniface? Yeah, David Pingree. <laughs> uh, no, Boniface, I think, Not yet. next year. But it was me, David Pingree, Andrew Short, Daryl Hurley. Oh, yeah. Hurley, right. And I think that, think that might have been about it for the first year. And then the second year, if I'm not mistaken, it was Boniface. Hurley. Shorty. Oh, shoot. I can't even remember yeah. who else. Yeah, Short, Andrew Short. Did you, uh, did you, did you look back at Shorty and be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be one of the greats? He was just trying to figure it out <laughs> you like you were. Right. You know? He must have because that first year, I remember going to Anaheim, and I think that was his first podium 
mm-hmm. ever. And I was sitting with his wife, Jackie, watching the race. And we were all so excited at the time. And, uh, and uh, I believe the next weekend or two, he did the same kind of performance. He podiumed or something. I'm like, wow, this guy is, you know, has got to figure yeah. it out. I need to take some lessons here. So <laughs> I remember trying to watch him during the during the week when we were practicing and testing, and, and just trying to take all all take it all in, you yeah. know, and then see what I could learn just from watching. And at the time, you, you didn't even really know what to what to watch for. Now looking back, you know, there's a little minute things you could have figured out watching, but at the yeah. time I was so green. I yep. don't know any better, you know. I'm like, yep. oh, he's going really fast in the corners. I think that'll help. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, oh, no kidding. man. That'll help you jump jump the rhythm section. Um, no, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird. And then, so you finally get an RMZ250, but it's it's just terrible. That thing sucked. That, that, that. Yeah. Oh, God, they blew that up all the time. the worst bike I've ever ridden. It didn't handle. <laughs> I remember my, my practice bike literally blew up every single day I rode, so I couldn't ride during the week because it was a satellite team and they didn't have the budget like Mitch yeah. Payton or one of those guys did uh-huh. the first year to keep bikes under everyone. And I remember riding with Paul Carpenter, who was on the same bike, but he was on factory, factory cow cow and he yeah. got literally a new motor every day. Yeah. Or, you know, we had like a oh. rotation of four motors for him. And, event, you know, every once in a while, you know, he'd let me borrow a motor for a day and uh, get, get at least some practice in that week. You know, it was, it was hard that first year on that four stroke. And uh, I didn't really like riding it. Mm-hmm. I was so used to the two stroke at that point. That's all I'd ridden my whole life. So I got kind of thrown on the thing a week before outdoors and, and, um, you know, I was scoring points and whatever, but that's, you know, yeah. coming from top 10 the year before, that wasn't really where I wanted to be. Yep. And really, ultimately, luckily, oh, it's sad to say, but luckily I got hurt that year at Washougal <laughs> halfway through the year or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Got off that thing and got on a Honda for the next year and had a good year. Yeah, the next year, Motorsport, right, comes calling with Mark Johnson, team manager? That was the year after. Okay. I went to ECC the year before, and... um on a Honda? To figure out how to ride Supercross. Yeah, on a Honda. Oh, I, don't, I thought ECC yeah. was always was, Suzuki. I didn't know that. Okay. No. Remember they had Damon Huffman, Brian Gray. Oh, yeah. Johnny Marley was and myself. Cra- was Craig team manager? Or was I he- think that was the first year that he was not. It was okay. Chamberlain or Jungle. Jungle. All right. So, so things Jungle. were a little bit more in, in, in control anyways. Yeah. Yep. And, oh. uh, you know, we had Damon Huffman, who at the time was – was still, a, you know, almost podium contender, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was pretty cool dude and kind of pointed some things out to me with Supercross and at least kind of didn't take me under his wing, but at least kind of pointed some things out of how to do things and how not to do things. And, uh, you know, I started putting in my time that year and was a little safer riding around one of those tracks and uh, started uh-huh. to figure it out. Yeah, you look and, at your uh, results. You know, uh, 2006, the next year at at, at Moto at the uh, Motorsport, uh, you go nine, eight, five, six, eight. Like you're definitely getting better at Supercross here. Yeah, yeah. I remember I fell. That, one one scarring memory from my first year at Motorsport uh-huh. was um, I think it was Detroit. Uh, I rode around and like first and then second and then third for pretty much all the moto. And then on the last turn, on the last lap, um, I couldn't hold on to my bike anymore. I, I crashed like the week before and had like something wrong, a big broken elbow or something okay. wrong with my elbow, and I couldn't hold on anymore. And Gosler was right behind me. And I came into the last turn on the last lap and got squirrely in the whoops, couldn't hold on, and just kind of bumped into a tough block and fell over last turn on the last lap for my first podium oh. it would have been my first podium ever you know and ended up getting like sixth or something and that one of the worst memories of racing that i have <laughs> yeah really one turn away from it yeah know? about t- yeah about 40 feet from the finish line oh. i was in my first podium position um so the next year uh you switch to cowies the team switches to cowies and this is uh correct this is the team with um uh Tommy Hahn and McFarlane, or no? That's the year after. I think, yeah, no, that was the year after. I okay. think it was me, Kyle Chisholm, mm-hmm. and Boniface again, mm-hmm. and Matt Bonney, and 
I'm missing someone else there as well, but did, I, uh, I, know, I know for sure it was us. Did you like Mark Johnson? He always came across like a hard, hard ass to me, like a little bit of scary. A lot guy. of guys didn't like him, but uh, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it was just my work ethic or whatever. Uh-huh. Me and him got along great. We gelled really good. Um, and still to this day, last time I saw him, I think was right before uh, my last Monster Cup. I was out testing and uh-huh. ran into him while he was testing with Ivan and and. Um, Roxon and them, and uh, man, we we hit it off again and, and just caught up. Oh, good! Everything was great, man. Me and him got along great throughout the years. Um, yeah, good, good to hear. Did you ever like? No offense to ECC and Moto World and, and, and Motorsport and all that. Yeah. Did you come close to landing a spot with Peyton or, or YOT or, or Factory yeah. Connection? Yeah, dude. I I really. That was one one other thing I wish I had done is just hounded Mitch's door because yep. it was between me and Troy Adams one year for a pro circuit ride, and I just kind of was letting the cards fall where they may. I went over and talked to him, and everything was good. Me and him have always gotten along, but I felt like I was imposing going over there. Yeah, and um, at the time, I felt you know my results showed that I did belong on a team like that, but. My Supercross results, I was told, were, were not what Mitch wanted or needed to justify hiring me. And I think the next year I ended up doing real well. And, um, you know, that sucks that at that time I didn't have that to show. Hey, look, Mitch, give me an opportunity. But I felt like, you know, hearing what Matt Walker and some of these other guys did four rides at Mitch's, they went and just banged on the yep, door every day. every day. day. Yeah, I kind of wish that year I I went and did that, you know, because that probably would have come to fruition for me, and it it never did, you know. Um, best ride I I look back and say I ever had was at the Star Racing Team when it was joined up with um, uh, the Valley yep. program for the 450s, yep. and uh, I had for the first time what was the closest thing to a factory bike, and uh, I think my results showed I started out. You know, um, as a fill-in rider for Ryan Marias, who had got hurt, I believe, the second round yep. of Supercross mm-hmm. and ended up riding the whole year with him. Um, and that's when I did those double nationals with the U.S. and Canadian yeah. outdoors uh, back-to-back days. And um, they gave me a great opportunity. I felt like I seized it and uh, did really good that year in my eyes yeah. uh, on a 450. So. When when you were doing these 250 teams and, and you didn't bug Mitch enough to get on it and all that, was there a point yeah. was there a point where you were getting frustrated where you were like, fuck this, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I'm struggling, I don't know if I, you know, my bikes are breaking and I'm on these teams and I'm not making any money on. I mean, was there ever a point where you were like, I, I don't want to keep going? or, or no, no, not at all, man, because I was, I was still happy with, the programs I was on and okay. I, I was still getting, you know, a random podium or top sure. five or whatever finish. And I was in the top 10 every week. And, you know, I, I wish, you know, I always had wished that I had those bikes and opportunities, but I still know that I gave it everything I had training wise and, and testing wise. And I always put in my hours, yep. but you know, just kind of sometimes I don't want to blame it on equipment because I did have good equipment. It just probably was, you know, an inch less. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I wish it, it, you know, I did get those opportunities, but I never did. I think things would have been a little bit different, you know, results. But, you know, yeah, no. what a show to is right, what right. it is. You know, I, I feel like I still had a pretty good career. And, um, you know, it, it, I do wish I did call some people a little more and right. kind of hounded on people more. I, I just kind of, let my results and my work ethic show and that's what kept getting me rides and I'm thankful for that but you know I wish I played the game a little more absolutely uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Bobby Canari presented by Alpine Star Protects listen to this commercial from the folks at Racetech use the code PULPAMX17 to save at Racetech and Michelin Star Cross 5 commercial as well and we'll be right back to uh, to wrap this show up with, uh, with Bobby Canari Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters. 
in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department, experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. All right, we're back. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with the great Bobby Canari, a.k.a. Meathead. Um, Bobby, <laughs> how did the Canadian thing come about? Like, who approached you? Why did you decide to do it? And you literally made yourself a nice little second home there for, for many, many years. How, but how did it come about? It was it was a pretty cool opportunity. Um, so I, myself, didn't quite like California that much. Um, and I was teamed up training partners with that Paul Carpenter, who was also from New York. And uh, neither one of us really were too fond of California. Um, we wanted to kind of get out of there one year, so we put our chips together, built our own facility in Texas, a full-on, you know, Supercross watering system, everything, the whole mm-hmm. deal, Supercross track, at uh, Billy Whitley's house. Uh, and we were lined up with him because Paul had gone up there and raced for him maybe the year prior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, knew that that was a good setup. He had been over there and, and just thought that it was going to work for us. So went over there, built our track, raced, you know, out of Texas for a winter. And, uh, you know, it worked out great. And leading into the next year, obviously me and Billy were very close at that point. And Billy said, hey, why don't you come up and try and race some of these Canadian nationals for me next okay. year? You know, I can I can pay you X amount, which was really good. And the bonuses are really good. And, you know, looking at how good you are in the U.S., I feel strongly you're going to finish up there, you know, on the podium every week yeah. and and achieve these bonuses, you know. And, and, you know, there's a lot of money to be made. It's good racing. Bikes are good. And um, let's go try it. So I weighed my options. Um, at that point, I was getting a little farther in life, you know, had a house and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff that I was wanting to build. And, and just kind of start start doing all that. And I said, okay, you know, let's go try that. Let's go do that. All the stars aligned. And I uh, went up there and, and, like you said, ended up making that a really second swing of my whole career. Um, stayed in the U.S. for the wintertime and raced in Europe in the off season and head to Canada for, yeah. um, for the summer season. And uh, it, it was great to me, man. The people were awesome. 
um, it was fun, fun racing, fun tracks, um, all around. It was fun. Yeah. It, obviously, it's fun kind of being in the spotlight too, because up yeah. there yeah. you were winning and and finished on the podium every week, and you were kind of a the poster child for the series. So it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so it's hard not to say, you know, oh, I'm going to go back to the U.S. and ride around and you know eighth or tenth every week, and no one's even going to notice right. kind of thing when you're going to make a little more money racing out of the country mm-hmm. and uh, be winning, you know, and, and I, as much as I appreciated a top 10 in the U S you know, no one else did. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to yeah. pay you as much money to go ride around an eighth or 10th or whatever. Yeah. Especially I, in I, motocross up there. Yeah. in motocross, it's yeah. tough, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it proved to be a nice, uh, nice career. How many years did you do it? Total. I had a 13-year professional career, so I mean that's looking at a lot of sports. That's that's pretty yeah. lengthy. In, How many years in, in Canada? Profession. How many years in Canada though? What did you I do? I think it was like half my career. Right? Honestly. Yeah. Maybe oh nine. Did you? When the, when did, did you I get, get hurt? Did, did you get national number like two once? Did you get national number two once or national number three? Two or three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one other bummer I had up there was I had the championship one with like two rounds left. I had a 40-point lead over Dusty Klatt and uh, had two motor DNFs in a row at the same race on the same day on the first lap of each moto. Oh, and geez. he won, I think, both motos, uh-huh. and there goes my 40-point lead. And then the next week I went out and won, you know, Walton or whatever. Yeah. But it was too late at that point. So um, um, yeah, almost won a championship up there. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I got number two, I think, for sure, twice, maybe three times. Yeah. And then number three twice, and then I think sevens twice. Yeah, you know, yeah. I got hurt one year, and then the one year I, I don't even remember what happened. But yeah, uh, yep. those days that you did two nationals in a row, I think it was Unadilla, and uh, forget, and there was Gopher and Southwick too, right? Um, yeah, I think it was Sandalee Southwick. It was Southwick and then Sandalee. Okay. Which is another sand track. Yeah. And then there was. Yes, Unadilla and then Walton. Yeah, oh, Walton, is, yeah. You know, similar tracks. Uh, yeah. How were those on you? Saturday, Sunday Nationals. How were those? I loved it. I loved it. Yeah? It, it was so hard, but that's what I wanted to do to myself. That's what I enjoyed with yeah. training and riding and the challenge of it. Um, I mean, the way I justified it at the time is I got a good ride in the U.S. that I don't want to lose. I want to race here again next year. And... um you know, that team ended up not having a 450 program, but I'm still in great terms with those guys and I'll yeah. you know, still chat with them a little bit. But sure. anyway, I go, you know what? I, I ride, you know, three or four 30 minute motos a day all week, you know, back to back to back, you know, every day for three or four days in a row. What's the difference if I do it on the weekend and just take it easier on myself during the week? Yeah. Cause I had press days and stuff. Like, oh, it's, no different well you know why is that any different if i do it on a saturday and a sunday as opposed to a tuesday and a wednesday you know yeah. so uh, that's how i justified it to myself and it was obviously a touch harder because when you're racing yeah. it's the intensity is a little more no matter how hard you push yourself practicing it's well, intensity is a little gnarlier the tracks are a little gnarlier well not to on mention top of that not I to mention, yeah you're doing the morning both weeks yeah one of them i one of them <laughs> i did it with shot one of them I did it with you. I, I did the Unadilla yeah, Walton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm just like I yeah. don't even have to race, and I'm tired as hell. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun, but uh, you know, I I didn't think it would be any different than any other day that I raced and trained. You know, right. that's, that's kind of what I told myself, and uh, I I enjoyed every minute of it. Honestly, it, it was tough. I mean, I'll lie to you, it was yeah. it was hard, but um, I'd do it again given the opportunity. What about velocity one? Velocity, velocity three. three. Sorry, velocity three. Yeah, dude, on. dude. That's a high end program. How bad was that? <laughs> I mean, it started badly, didn't it? Yeah, it started out on the wrong foot right off the bat. So, um, there was a program. Yeah, for the people that don't know, there was a program um, coming off my better 450 year of my career. Um, racing for star, you know, um, got called from a couple people that had been around, you know, wrenched for some of the best people that ever raced. Like who did, who did, uh, 
everyone wrenched for. I mean, they were all on factory Honda yeah. and Brian Swink, every, everyone. They, they had been around. These guys had been around. They knew the deal. Yep. They started up a team, and uh, myself and Kyle Chisholm got drug into this um, by choice at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They promised this, that, and the other, and uh, I think they still owe me about $80,000. Yeah, <laughs> Which, obviously, I'll never get. And um, they uh, they promised the world, and uh, I did up to the first race in Anaheim um, with minimal testing and uh, really not even a truck to go out of. They borrowed a motorhome from a friend and, and uh, promised, oh, I mean, next week the truck's getting wrapped and this, that, and the other, and it never happened. And uh, we ended up begging and borrowing to get through the season. And luckily, Alan Brown um, picked me up halfway through the season, who was a fellow, you know, um, satellite team yeah, owner Tyloo and uh and know, Fab Tyloo and yeah. he helped me out the rest of the year and, and uh, kind of let me finish the season with him so what a disaster yeah what a disaster that, that was, was. yeah just right from that the start right um yeah right from the start what was your best race you've ever had what was the best race you ever had pro race Best race I ever had. I mean, I podium San Diego, and I uh-huh. podium the U.S. Open. I podium where else? Toronto or something. And you know, looking back, like those are great. You know, I had some great races there. And same with the fourth FDX sale. I did this, that, and other. Um, but some of my favorite memories are are almost some of my harder struggle days when when things weren't working out mm-hmm. um, I, I tell people and they get disappointed in the story but i'm like man that's that's one of my fonder memories is <laughs> i struggled at san um san bernardino or not san bernardino um sacramento sacramento yeah i struggled at that track and one day finally put it together riding around and battling with a good buddy ryan sipes and uh you know ended up finishing in the top 10 but just kind of went back and forth and just warm into the ground and just seeing my fitness you know, wear wear a good friend out who I knew was in shape as well. Yep. Uh, it was it was fun for me, and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of great memories, um, a lot of a lot of wins in Canada and stuff like that. And, and I got I got a lot of great memories that I can't thank everyone enough for for providing me with a lot of great teams, a lot of great people, a lot of great fans. Man, I I remember there's a couple fans that looking back now. Um, you know, that followed me every year I'd come back and I got to where I remembered them. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a really cool thing for someone that wasn't in the U S winning races for, you know, to you to have a, a great fan base like that, you know, when you're just outside the, the winning positions is, is pretty cool. You know, it, it was, it was really, really cool mm-hmm. looking back at it. You know, that was one of the, the cooler things, honestly. And, and, and realizing that people knew who you were around the world. Yeah. You know, you go to Europe and stuff, and people are like, oh, my God, I love watching you. I cheer for you every week. You know, you're right there, you know, and stuff. It's it's unreal. Um, like, how does someone in Germany or whatever even know my name? You know, that's, that's pretty cool stuff to look back and remember those kind of things as well. Yeah, when you talk about European races, how many times did you do the German series? I think I did the whole series maybe two or three times. Yeah. Uh, maybe missing one round, yeah, because yeah. I think Dortmund, which is their bigger race, always conflicts with Anaheim or something like that. But uh, and I raced all over. I did Australia, I did Italy, yeah. Germany, France, Netherlands. Right, cool. I don't That's even remember cool. where. I, it's it's crazy when you forget how many countries you haven't been even been to. Right. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a great time, and like you said, it's given you. You know everything you got in the world, including your job today, working for an ex motocrosser. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just it's great. Um, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the walk down memory oh, lane, and, and nice to catch up with you and talk about your career. And one of those guys that was just under the radar of the superstars, but always uh, putting in you know really good results. And uh, yeah, man, good luck with uh, whatever you decide to uh, to do next. Cool. No, shoot, I appreciate it. And uh, just, you know, everyone that's listening obviously took the time to listen to this. That's that's awesome. You know, I, I had a great fan base. Can't thank everyone enough for keeping me going, even through the tough times. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, that helps you get through all that stuff. That was awesome. And uh, thanks to everyone in the industry that gave me a chance to live out my childhood dream. Man, that was, it was a really cool deal. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I got to do it with everyone that was involved with me always, you know, in every program. So, Appreciate it. That'd uh, be good. Cool. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Bobby Canari. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.